You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Hey, Lou Stanfield. And I'm Travis Peasley. And with us today, we have a very, very special guest with us, uh, Sideshow Ashley. Sideshow Ashley. You can just call me Ashley, please, though. Make your life easier. Yes. <laughs> Ashley. Ashley for short. <laughs> Ashley for short. Um, but yeah, she has so gracefully decided to join us today gracefully is the word that you were looking for i mean i mean also also gracefully (laughs) gracefully enough right they they can't they can't see our they can't see our webcam so we'll say yes okay sure it's more like i tripped and fell into this and i'm so happy to be here thank you well we're happy to have you you are our first official guest on the show so Oh God, that's a lot to live up to. Why would you do that to me? I mean, we can just say, like, we can just say that, like, Jacoby was our first official guest, even yeah, though he was a... Jacoby he was just a <laughs> fill-in. <laughs> even though he was just, yeah, he was just filling in for me because I was, I was very ill that one time. Right. But well, yeah, well, okay. that, that takes the pressure off. We can just say that it was yeah. Jacoby. Takes the pressure Thanks. off. Um, Ashley has um, a wonderful uh, Twitch. Uh, you're primarily on Twitch now, right? You're not so much on YouTube. I man, oh man, this is going to sound terrible. Man, I'm so sick of YouTube. This is horrible. No, that's that's totally see. fine. I understand. I, yeah, fair. <laughs> We've yeah. seen a lot of it. Pain. We're just going to take this. This is actually <laughs> this is a this is a commentary video about YouTube, actually. Perfect. Uh, I mean, we can deep dive into the algorithm if you want. It's fine. It'll be an the, adventure. The stress Ooh. and pain it puts on com- uh, content creators, but you know, whatever. <sighs> At adpocalypse. <laughs> oh, stop it! Stop it! I want <laughs> That's not what we're here tonight. to talk about. Um, <laughs> what one of the things that um, Ashley? Well, first of all, Ashley's channel is very nerdy and wonderful, and. Um, I don't know what else to say other than full of nerddom, which is why we reached out to her. Um, yeah, I, I feel like our like our audiences, like if you like this podcast, you'll probably like her content too. Like it's like a it's a Venn diagram, but it's basically a circle. And um, she can speak for herself on her um, history with Dungeons and Dragons. Oh no, you don't want me to speak about my history in Dungeons and Dragons. I, I am the forever DM who was finally able to start playing. Oh. So when you guys like were talking about some of the characters that I have played, do you know what happens to forever DMs? We yes. start losing our minds and we start coming up with just the worst off the wall characters. And then, I, <laughs> Travis I is also, also a forever DM. DM. Okay, then you understand. You're yep. like, I got this character idea that I'm just going to run with. Oh, I found a new DM who will let me do it. 
Sweet. Yes. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's pretty great. Um, I mean, someone someone's got to do it, and it's certainly not going to be me. <laughs> but it should be. Everybody should have that one character that you just kind of think is probably wouldn't fit into something, but you can shoehorn it in. Yeah, and it works perfectly, and you don't know why, but it works, and that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's always the best thing. If it works, then yes. It just works. <laughs> it just works. So I don't recommend running one character that has to use five different character sheets. Just going to put that out there now. <laughs> so uh, uh, <laughs> I'm speaking from experience here. Five different character sheets. Uh, what character was this? Uh, so I played uh, a pixie piloting armor. Oh, a, a set oh. of pixies piloting armor. Um, technically, oh. they there was Faye. Um, so it at first, as the introduction of the character, they thought the character was insane, straight up, because I was working off of every time someone would speak to me, I'd have to roll to see who was speaking as the oh. front. <laughs> because the whole idea was that every other pixie was battling to be the voice and the captain of the ship, essentially. Oh so someone else would speak, you'd have to roll. Uh, I was rolling a uh, D6, actually, to figure out who was in charge of this armor. And every single character had a different voice and a different personality and a different character sheet. So whoever spoke to it last, if they went into any sort of uh, battle, that was who was fighting. And there was two non-combatants. So... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that sounds like... That sounds like such a pain in the ass. But that's also... That's also like such a such a genius concept, oh, and like yeah. the idea of like I'm imagining like a like an Alphonse Elric like yes yes comp- like hollow on the inside with just these little pixies like pulling each other's hair. <laughs> yeah, that is like exactly what it is. Duking it out. That's amazing. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> That's so, such a like time. Oh. It was just. And- it- one after another and it was really bad at one point because they didn't get it right off the bat so someone would speak and i had to count how many times that the party was addressing me and roll dice accordingly to see who responded and (laughs) only the dm understood this and didn't say anything (laughs) they're just like why does she keep rolling these dice why does her personality change every two seconds what's going on the height of like multiple personality disorder right there. Oh right? like God. Except not actually, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. just uh that that would be the interpretation. Yeah. But can I just say perfectly encapsulating the chaos of the Fae? Oh yeah. yeah. And that Instead was part of... of it for me because I wanted to. Like Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. It... Uh, perfectly encapsulated. Right. And it's like you're you're sowing chaos not only in the context of like the fictional world, but also like the real world. Because all of your friends, sans the DM, are just like, what the fuck is going on? Exactly. Uh the really interesting part was I did play a warlock at one point. Well, 
kind of a warlock, but also I played as a paladin in the same character. So think about that for a second. That That is the straight up dichotomy between all of the different characters. That's how many character sheets I had to roll. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is so much to like roll, to level up, to keep up with. Oh yeah, no, it was horrible, but I loved it. Oh, oh yeah, God. no, that, I mean, I- I mean, would, shit. Yeah, I would yeah. probably I do similarly. I give you props for being able to do it. I don't think I could keep up with that many uh, sheets. So at yeah. one point, I think I had like 10 tabs up on my computer at one point, just just on each character sheet and like doing the math and like, oh, keeping that track of which of your characters feel about certain other characters. And... Oh, yeah. No, they straight up had backstories and some of them didn't want to interact with other ones. There was one that was terrified of the warlock type character. There was one that only wanted to talk. The, one of the non-combatants was basically a child. So, like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just pure freaking chaos. It was great. I had so much fun with that. It sounds like it. That's that's amazing. Uh, that's the, fantastic. The joke name was uh, <laughs> catastrophe. Just but each one had a different syllable name. So you had catastrophe. Uh, oh my god! And none of them got it. That's so amazing. I, each one would introduce <laughs> themselves with their respective, you know. Name, Name and it, yeah. It took them like ten minutes to put it together. They were too confused by everything. It's else. like it's like segmented fridge fridge magnets, and they're like, like yeah. What oh. does it mean? What oh. does it mean? The fucking full on like the the like uh, bulletin Blackboard. board or yeah, with like the pins in it and like the oh, red yes. string, and it's like. <gasps> It's six pixies in a trench coat. <laughs> I actually still think I have all the character sheets. So Ooh. Um, oh. let's take a look. While you guys do your thing, I'm going to shove my face in Google Drive real quick. <laughs> that actually being the case, because I talked to you prior to this and everything, uh, I decided that what better thing to go with other than actually trying to cover the history of the Feywild. Hey, hey. Oh. <laughs> and uh, in part also because there was a newly released supplement for the Feywild. Yes, it all just kind of worked out perfectly. It's all in connected. Into the Feywild, the Wild Beyond the Light. Was, or I'm sorry, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight was just released on like September 26th or something. Very recently. Nice. And it's actually an adventure uh, module. Ooh. But it has some interesting uh, little tidbits in there that we'll have to get to, but we'll have to get to that after we discuss the history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. We're not we're not gonna start with the, the with the juicy <clears throat> stuff. Of course not. We well, not I mean yeah. it's all it's all juicy, but you know, we've gotta we gotta give you something. To get you through the, through all of it, right? I mean, I'm we kind of start with uh, the juicy bits. And while I failed to uh, actually put all this in the beginning of the notes, I do have some of the actual like real like world history of what I think might actually be the inspiration to the Feywild. Oh, 
Good. There was uh, nothing that was like specifically said by Gary Gygax or anyone that this was the inspiration, but it kind of seems like it. Mm -hmm. uh, there is something called the Ishi, if I pronounce this correctly. Uh, it's a very old Irish word. So you probably pronounced it. So, you probably pronounced it wrong. Probably, I I tried. My my people were not known for making their words easily pronounceable, but by English tongues. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> so uh, the Ishi are basically like supernatural race from Celtic mythology. Uh, they're kind of comparable to like fairies and elves. They are said to descend from fallen angels. That's actually a fairly common trope, uh, not just in like Gaelic for folklore, but you have it in the Germanic histories, Russia. It appears in China. It appears in Africa. It appears in South America. So that kind of concept that you have where you have either normal sized folk, oversized folk or little folk who are on a different plane of existence is very common across the entirety of the world. So keep that in mind as you go through this. Yeah. That is uh, good to know. Yeah. So the Ishi, Ishi, whichever one, <laughs> uh, are said to live either underground in fairy forts or in forts. an invisible world that coexists with the world of humans. And that part right there is what I think might have been the inspiration one of many inspirations behind the Feywild itself, because the Feywild is pretty much exactly that in the D and D world. The Feywild okay. exists as a coexistent but totally separate plane to the Prime Material Plane, um, or as I think we've described it before. Yes. It's like the it's like the neon edit of the prime material plane. Yes. And yeah. then you have some things like the Shadowfell that are like the, the goth, goth edit. edit. <laughs> the goth edit of the prime. Yeah. Feywild is the neon edit. It's not the pastel edit. People think it's the pastel edit, but it's the Ooh. neon edit. Mm -mm. And if they're gonna keep any sort of like historical accuracies loosely fitting here. When it comes to Fey in general, they probably need to stick to that because the Fey were not nice people traditionally. Not no. nice folk at all. They had a tendency to be quite nasty. Uh, mischievous yep. to the point of cruelty. Capricious <laughs> and yeah. Don't make yeah. deals with the Fey. That, that's what we gotta no. say. Don't <laughs> eat their food. Deals with Don't. the Fey. Well, the, the whole, actually, the eating their food trope uh, goes back towards when children would disappear. Because the oh. idea was that if a child got lost in the forest, they had to fend for themselves, as one does if you get lost, right? Right, yeah. Right. So what happens if you eat something you're unfamiliar with? What is the potential that can happen there? It can kill you. Right. Right. That's where that comes from. That's where that trope oh. comes from. Oh, Okay, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that that's, makes a lot of sense. I had never actually thought, like, in depth yeah. about that. It, it was yeah, so, it's always just been, like, an ingrained truth in my mind that it's, like, don't, don't, eat, don't, eat, don't eat food that's offered to you by fairies. Because that's information that you need to keep in mind for your life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know your how daily you, life. you come across fairy food. 
Well, the, the, also the idea behind it is that the fairies and the fey folk have such a rigorous social structure that manners become huge. So eating their food and not giving something in return explicitly is part of the problem. Oh, yeah. Um, I, uh, I played a, um, an Eladrin um, who was very, like, basically she was the party's, like, introduction into uh, the, uh, the culture of the Fae. And it was very much like um, she would, like, warn them all the time, don't accept any gifts because they are implicit, like, they're not gifts. They're they're transactions. Contracts, almost. It's yeah. it's a contractual thing. It makes sense, though. That yeah. is so like on brand for the Fae. I love it. All right, go yeah. ahead. Right. So, Tell me more. <laughs> as far as the uh, Feywild itself, that doesn't actually appear under that name until fourth edition. But in huh. the uh, third edition, you had what's pretty much the same thing it was known as the plane of fairy okay <clears throat> and this came about in the manual of the planes that was released in 2001 and it pretty much describes exactly what the feywild is in general uh it's a land of soft lights and it also mentions cruel desires because yeah it can be relatively <laughs> cruel uh, it is the home of powerful elf-like beings that care very little for mortals other than as little playthings or prey. Well, I mean, <clears throat> if you live forever, you gotta find some way to keep yourself entertained, right? Right. right Might yeah. as well uh, use the mortals for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Silly mortals. How dare you have a life. <laughs> How dare. <laughs> Imagine dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Jesus. <laughs> Damn peasants that died already. Oh god, that would be horrible. Imagine. Uh it's not hard to imagine actually in yeah. terms of that, but <laughs> all right. But still, we're good. <laughs> uh so like I said, it is like a coexistent plane, and it actually says that in this case it is an oddity in the cosmologies of like DD because it acts like an outer plane, but it's not an outer plane, it's just coexisted and connected to the material plane. Mm-hmm. So it all just kind of like acts like an outer plane, but it's not. Yeah, it's um. I mean, when you think about it, it it really is in in like an in, in oddity as far as third that edition goes. did have a hard time just um uh, like setting it apart, I guess, in the right words. Yeah. yeah. Well, it- kind of. The way I'm looking at it, uh, along with the Gaelic folklore, again, um, towards the end, and I'm I'm not even going to bother pronouncing half of this because did no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah, one of the like, reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, Gaelic words are hard. They yeah. really are. Oh my god. Uh, but in the Gaelic folklore, what happens is that the the plane that you're referencing in the historical texts and passed down lore. Uh, the reason it's a part is because the, the fairy creatures and the Sidnor, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, departed from the, the mortal realm because they could not coexist with humans. 
So in order to let humans kind of do their own thing and not interfere constantly with their lives, they created their own plane of existence. Oh. So, yeah. So I don't know if that, that kind of works, but that's what I thought when you brought that up, where it's, mm -hmm. it's the same, but it's different. Yeah, and I it, pretty much what that's pretty much what it is is D and D has a rapidly evolving um, history and creation of the different realms and planes and stuff. So it will it varies from incredibly from edition to edition. Though I'm pretty sure at least one edition does have an origin story similar to the actual the Gaelic folklore. Yeah, probably. And then sometimes the origins are just shrouded in mystery. Yep. There's a couple of them where you look at it and you're like, what? Excuse <laughs> me? Slime puppies? This... Excuse me? Did you think this through? <laughs> no, they didn't. The no. answer to that question the is no. no. Usually. Or they thought it through too hard. Well, there's also that possibility, yeah. Um, so because it is like coexisting, there is like pretty much any location on the material plane matches with a duplicate on the plane of fairy. So if you like go through a portal on the material plane that is in like an old ancient like ruins, you're likely to come into the plane of fairy in the middle of a thriving like elf town or something similar. Oh, and that makes complete sense to me, at least. Yeah. So. I mean, the veil is thinning. What are you going to do? Well, walked yeah. into a fairy bar. Oops. <laughs> oh, no. I guess I have to have fairy alcohol. <laughs> oh, no. Uh -oh. Oh. <laughs> That's Ooh. like double bad. Yeah. Run. I'm going to get some fairy water. <laughs> because of the fact that it is actually just connected with the material plane, traveling between the two doesn't require using the astral plane like any other um, outer plane. planar travel, mm -hmm. which really just kind of gives you the advantage of you don't have the possibility of dying while you're trying to go from one plane to the other. Right. Because if I recall correctly, in the astral plane, if you end up getting the like cord that attaches you to the material plane severed, you're just dead. You're just yes. stuck. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah, a that's yeah. there's no going back to the mortal realm. Yeah. Yeah. That that's only if you're like traveling separate from your body. If your body is with you, then you you still have your bot like your bodily advantages. But I mean, you're but then you're floating, stuck yeah. being a yeah. uh, uh, pixie piloting a meat suit. Then, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. It's a realm of eternal twilight, and that's like in the literal sense, because the sun in the plane of fairy neither sets nor rises. It's constantly like stationary low in the At sky the golden hour yep forever forever that's actually straight out of uh arthurian legend uh oh. so when they talk about the lady of the lake and everything that is where that first comes into realization um that it sun neither sets nor rises it's always just a world of mist basically huh well that's very interesting i did not know that i did not know that either so hey See? you can uh it's the Go only useful thing I got. <laughs> hey, I mean, you hey. also have six fairies piloting a suit of armor, so... That's pretty useful to me. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, useful. 
Yeah, Maybe. that's how I would put it. <laughs> In quotation marks. <laughs> Useful enough. So there are two like very distinct areas of the planet fairy. You have the very like settled and relatively calm area that is the home of the Sealy Court. And then there's the land that is basically just like tangled, sharp toothed brambles and syrupy fields that is home to the Unsealy Court. <laughs> Yeah. Um, some of the uh, statistics to the planet fair itself is the gravity is not normal. The gravity is light. Oh, moon jumping. So, yeah. moon jumping. <laughs> uh, it is infinite size, or at the very least, it's the size of the material plane. But more than likely, it could just be infinite. Hypothetically. <clears throat> yeah. I think under the circumstances, it probably would be infinite because a lot of the stuff in fairy folklore, even here, is just a matter of being able to think it into existence. Right. Yeah, so it's almost definitely infinite-sized. It has the uh, feature that is alterable morphic. Yep, I think it into existence. (laughs) I had never actually seen that term before until now, but uh, in D&D, it basically means that an object can remain wherever it is and whatever it is, unless it's affected by a physical force or magic. So, yeah, pretty much. That would be fun. It's like you have a rock (laughs) and suddenly you want it to be an arrow and you can turn it into an arrow with magic. But I'm also thinking like on a bigger scale because like you get your big evil bad guy who just completely and utterly fucks up the ground around you, right? So now you have all these floating rocks. You basically have a floating arena. And so every rock, every plant, everything within the Feywild can be a possible weapon or advantage for both sides. Yeah. Yes. Imagine that as like your last battle. That would just be chaos. Oh, that'd be uh, epic, though. Well, I wish I had my uh, DM notebook next to me, because that would definitely go down as a <laughs> Oh, no. Thing. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> get uh, get them into the, the Feywild <laughs> somehow for the BBEG. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But I'm just saying, like, imagine, like, you could literally use everything to your advantage. That's and the- so could the big bad guy. Oh, you could. It's so good, though. And then, like, it'd be a battle of willpower. Who who can it's imagine wits. the best things? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It is literally a battle of wits at that point. It You're does like, not matter what your stats are. This it rock is matters. now. This rock is now a folding chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> John <laughs> Cena. <laughs> <laughs> I will save you my horrible rendition of the music. <laughs> oh, yeah, we don't we so don't want though. Yeah, we don't want to get <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Go. Okay, yeah, that's it. That's all we that's all we can do. Or else uh, legally. <laughs> legally. Legally. Uh, yeah. Right. So the plane of fairy is, I guess as a whole, just classified as mildly neutral. <laughs> So it's just mildly (laughs) neutral aligned. I don't know why that's so funny to me. (laughs) It's pretty hilarious, though, because I I feel like you like you could say like mildly lawful and you would be like, yeah, okay, that sounds like a a real way to describe something. But like mildly neutral is like 
But it kind of makes sense. That's just, but like, that's vicious. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you because like, the, it's, I feel like you have axes that swing so violently in different directions that yeah. it ends up being like neutralizing itself. But it's like, is it really neutral? But it's exactly. mildly neutral. As long as you don't get hit by anything, it's neutral. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the other traits is enhanced magic. So yeah. naturally, a place that is as magical as the Feywild, the magic within it is going to end up being enhanced. Oh, God. Uh, all arcane spells that are cast are cast at their maximized, empowered, and extended, like... Oh, shit. ...ranges, so... I'm just imagining the barbarian who took, like, you know, a single bit of bard magic and is just, like, powered inside! Kill oops. Power word. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh, no. Good old oh, cross-eyed barbarian accidentally. Oh. Like good old barbarians. Barbarians. Hey, someone got it. Thank you. Yeah, I love barbarians. <laughs> you're kind of in trouble if you're a cleric, though, because divine oh. magic is unaffected. I say in trouble as far as like it's not empowered. Your yeah. divine magic is going to be. The same level if you're going against something that's casting arcane spells while theirs is going to be like super maximized. Oh, but the the on the flip side uh, that like arcane spells being uh, enhanced in those ways can also um, lead to potentially uh, unforeseen consequences. Oh, well, yeah, you know? I mean, it's straight up in the name. Think yeah. wild magic. Exactly. Oh, God. It's like, you know. I love wild magic so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> ra like raising your entire party with a fireball because you forgot it was going to be big. Yep. You know? Oopsie! For the Did time I almost killed the entire party with a necrotic attack. That or... was not meant to be a necrotic attack. Or that. Uh, or wait, that. hold on. Story time? Um, we were in the middle of a battle and I used um, my um, meta magic as a sorcerer to twin the spell um, and I got double nat natural ones and um, oh god okay my DM decided that um, I should be punished for that uh, with a wild magic surge and the wild magic surge was that everyone around me which was mostly my party because they were all going to defend me because I was at like one hit point and you're squishy um, and I'm squishy um, oh god. Basically, uh, because of what I rolled on my wild magic surge, I did a ranged, um, necrotic attack centered on myself that took, like, five to ten hit points from everyone around me. So I was completely full on health then, but you were everyone like, else was almost dying. You were like, don't, yeah. don't, don't worry guys, I'm good! And all of us are fucking unconscious. <laughs> Oh, yep. it hurts so good. I feel <laughs> like this is a good time to also mention that there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't cast fireball in someone's mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> Get that information. Do with that information what you mm. will. Exactly. Now, I did, I did troll the rule book to try to figure this out. You can't cast it in their stomach and you can't cast it in their lungs. But you can cast it in their mouth. As can long you as cast... you can see it. Yes. But... Which is okay. battle. People, people are yelling. <laughs> but I can feel you like I just it. broke everything. 
Mm. It's okay. Travis is in our DM right now, so we're not going to torture him with it. Oh, that's good. But that's I feel true. like you need to stock that away. Both of you need, all of you need to stock that away for like a rainy day for that DM oh, yeah. that you just love. <laughs> I'm going to like, I'm going to open like a, like a, like a date with that. Like, hey, did you know that in the game Dungeons and Dragons, you can cast fireball in someone's mouth? <laughs> I and then imagine and then they leave <laughs> oh god no but i mean it's along the same same lines because like you get you're in the fey wild right wild magic that's what you were talking about miss necrotic oopsies over here yeah. um you could do similarly the same thing in the fey wild right yeah yeah, yeah. arcane kick yeah. it up to 11 Ooh. Oh. Yeah, we would have all <laughs> been dead. Oh, so yeah. Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very dead. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Uh, and, of course, we have everyone's favorite trait of the Feywild or the Plate of Fairy, which is flowing time. We For every day <laughs> spent on the Plane of Fairy, a week passes on the Material Plane. Yeah, that and sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and unlike other planes with this trait, uh, time lost while on the plane of fairy always catches up to you once you leave. Oh, oh, that's kind of like um uh oh. the astral plane with the uh with the gith, the githyanki. Yes. yes. Oof. So, that's uh, horrifying. Yep. Oof. Any non-native who spends time on the plane of fairy and then like returns to whatever plane that they're on with like normal time will instantly catch up. I don't like that. Obviously, this could have some pretty bad consequences in the sense that if you're not careful, you could just immediately age to the point of dying if you spent too long on the plane of fairy. Yeah, you just come back and you just fucking explode into a pile of dust. Subsequently, you could come back and immediately be starving because you haven't eaten in like three days. Miss, I won't eat anything from the fairies. Hey, I mean, listen. I mean, look, it's smart, but I'm just saying you could starve to death that way if you don't if you don't pack enough rations. See, now I'm I'm over here going, hmm, how could you use this to your advantage though? Because if you've got someone that you're trying to, you know, unalive here and they're also in the Feywilds, wouldn't it if you have the rations and they don't and you guys are going oh. on full battle for a while? You're fighting in the Feywilds. You come back out. You're fine because you're fed. You've got water. You're good to go, right? As long as you are thinking about these things as you're working with it and you're smart about it, you could KO someone pretty quickly. Yeah. All you have to do is go um, two days, no water. Um, uh, well, may have your enemy go two days, no water, and then drag him back out to the uh, prime material plane and he'll and die of thirst. You know, if if people didn't believe that you were a forever DM before, I think they, they would. They do now. <laughs> they do now, yeah, for sure. Makes sense. That this tracks. is why I am the forever DM, though, because this is where I'm at when it comes to this sort of information. Like, I hear something like that, and I'm like, how can I make this fucking horrible for my players? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so traveling to and from the plane of fairy is relatively easy. Basically, there are just portals that exist throughout that you can uh, use, but the portals usually only appear at like certain times, which this could be either like during a new moon, uh, during equinoxes, once every 90 days. It pretty much you can do it however you want as the DM. Second Tuesday of each week. Yeah. <laughs> just follow the wheel of the year. But I mean, that also kind of follows through with with the human yeah. lore of fairies yeah. so it works yeah the plane of fairy also does not connect to the astral ethereal or the plane of shadow so if you have any spells that use those planes they just simply won't work at all oh on the interesting plane of fairy. like the spell just <laughs> won't work see so... the grin on my face i'm sorry no uh... yeah i uh, i recognize it I've, I've i've seen it aimed at me before <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, apart from the like typical races that live in the plane of fairy, like the satyrs, sprites, grigs, fairies, hags, all that lovely, fun, fey like stuff, there are the creatures that also come from uh, more of the real world lore here called the she. Yes. Like selkies are considered she. Did Ooh. you know that? <laughs> I did not. I'm surprised that you didn't know that, Lewin. Um, you know, honestly, me too. Lewin loves selkies. I'm I just do. full of random ass information. I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> awesome. no, don't don't apologize. <laughs> no, that's literally perfect. <laughs> So uh, the she also come from like the same folklore, except from what I read, it kind of got a little mixed up. Uh, As it does. Yeah. In the older Irish texts, uh, she were meant to be like the hills and the uh, tumuli that dot the Irish landscape where uh, the like other fake creatures would actually kind of like live. Mm -hmm. But in the English language texts, the word she is used for both the mounds and the people of the mounds. Okay. So it's okay. like it exists or not exists. It means two different things in the English text when it's really only supposed to mean like the one thing, meaning that it's just supposed to be like the mounds and everything where they live or where they were buried. Yeah, it's like the locale as opposed to the people. But it's also it kind of I think the that that historical aspect to it, sometimes it kind of gets to a point where it's it's like it almost doesn't matter what the original use case was supposed to be, because it's like over time it's come to it's come to mean this. Yeah, like how there's all that debate from like Babylonian scholars about whether or not Tiamat is actually meant to be associated with anything draconian. Because it's like, at this point, she has been. So it's like, it doesn't really, like, it matters, but it also kind of, so. Yeah. Humans are fluid, and we evolve, and the meanings of things evolve with us. Yes. Yeah. Oh, who'd have thought? <laughs> In the case of D&D, &D, it was taken and used for a particular creature that occupies the Feywild. And they're basically a mix of like half elf and can either be half celestial, which these would be the Seelie, or half fiend, which would be the Unseelie. Lewin has entered the chat. Yeah. Taylor feels some anger. I don't love 
because the, the association between yes. the seely and and good and the unseely and evil not even yes. in quotation marks like literally yes. that's what it is also i'm sorry i cut you off but i already knew where you were going no i mean thank you that that exactly phrased exactly what i wanted to say so thank you um i yeah. i've gone on numerous rants before about the fact that you you can't subscribe traditional good and evil values to the ceiling and the unseely. They do actually touch on that in a later edition, so... Well, that's good, because, yeah. I mean, all things considered, the only thing you could probably subscribe to them would be lawful, and that's yes. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except in this case, uh, for the third edition, it mentions that members of the Sealy Court are often, not always, but often chaotic good, we're on the opposite end, the Unseelie are often chaotic evil. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, like, it does have that that very traditional, because 3rd edition was where they really started going hard with the the usuallys and the oftens in front of, of alignments, where I think that a lot more flexibility started being offered for potential alignments. Right. So, you know, there's there's that at least. Like, it's not... <laughs> The un the sealy are good and the unsealy are evil. You know, there's at least a little wiggle room. Right. So we are going to jump to our next uh, source book here, and this is coming from the Forgotten Realms campaign setting for third edition. Uh, there isn't a lot of detail on the Feywild. It's actually hardly any in this particular book. Um, there was some text kind of floating around there that basically just says that the Feywild is a part of the Outer Plains in the Forgotten Realms campaign setting. Hmm. So it sounds like that's when they started experimenting with the idea. Yeah, yeah. so they mm -hmm. just kind of added it to the Outer Plains while... It should it... be mentioned that 3.5 is when Wizards of the Coast uh, gained uh, ownership of Dungeons & Dragons from TSR. Ah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think 3.5 uh, is when I really started getting like super into D&D &D as well. So yeah, that was the first edition that I ever played. So I think that's a lot of introductions for people. It was yeah. 3.5, yeah. but it was not my not my favorite, believe it or not. <laughs> At the yeah. time when it came out, it was pretty much the most access accessible one. Yes, I will agree with that. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. Um. Or I guess I should actually mention that it was a part of the Outer Plains prior to the Spell Plague, but it exists out of the World Tree, like, cosmology as a whole. Ah, the Spell Plague. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but even with its weird detachment, yet not detachment, it is still closely connected to the Prime Material Plane. Yeah, honestly, it sounds like, as far as the cosmology goes, the Feywild is like a platypus. Like, they just don't know what to do with it. Because it's like, it has hair. Does it but glow it, in black lights, too? <laughs> but, it, but it also lays eggs. It's, it's a like, coconut. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> it's a coconut. It has hair, and it produces milk. Exactly. <laughs> the Feywild is a coconut. So weird. So happy you got that reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. 
<laughs> listen, okay, it's it's he says it, that when he's enjoying himself. Don't listen, oh, it, yeah. it, it highlights a very important issue with morphology-based uh, taxonomy. So, which we should, of course, you know, extend to the planes and the theory of exactly. Yes. Um, now, so... now you guys are getting a little little too smart for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they they get too smart for me like 80% of the time, so it's it's totally fine. Does it hurt when the yes. thinking happens? Yes. yes it hurts okay. so bad. <laughs> Brain starts to shut down. It hurts so bad. Uh, so from the uh, Epic Level Handbook, which I hadn't actually heard of this before either, uh, it was released in 2002. It had some information on another creature that lives in the Feywild called the Lachey. Go on. Uh -huh. uh, and of course, I would love to talk about like all of the creatures at length, but we just don't have time for that. I mean, right. I mean, you know, and again, pretty, away. pretty much probably all of them individually could be their own episodes. So, yeah, and I uh, might have to look into that later. But the Lachey are a more like rare race that resemble elves they are enigmatic exceptionally powerful and immortal let me guess exceedingly gorgeous oh of course oh um, yeah um i they, i should hope so they look like tall thin albino elves except for their ears are not like the standard oversized true elf ears they are instead the ears that are more like half elves so they're a bit shorter Oh, and oh man, I was, I, was, I was picturing like the um, World of Warcraft years. I'm not gonna the, lie, <laughs> like the, the like super, yeah. super exaggerated. Yeah, not not quite. Uh, they have glossy dead white hair, and their eyes are just pits of darkness. Ooh, and. So uh, I decided this... to be a cool kid and pull up the information too because I wanted to follow along. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. The, one of the things that I, I don't know if you're getting to this or not, but I thought was very interesting. Some scholars believe that the Lachey were one of the creator races. Ooh. Yes. Um... Like, big bold letters. I'm like, oh, that's Ooh. interesting. Yeah. Oh. They, they were believed to be one of the creator races, which fucking, no wonder why they're immortal or mostly oh, immortal. Uh, so this actually goes back to what Ashley said earlier, where they are deeply concerned with etiquette. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, decorum and receiving respect that they feel is due. <laughs> yeah. Or else. I feel like there's an or else in there. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It notes that failure to meet their standards of politeness or simply crossing one of their whims can often be fatal. Yep. Yeah, there's the or else. Okay, yep. got it. There's your or <laughs> yeah. else. That feels like the perfect intersection of like the fey um like capriciousness and also like <laughs> the elfish like uppityness. <laughs> Terrifying yes. though. Mm -hmm. Just imagine having to deal with that. I'd rather not. Humans yeah. are bad enough. I mean in real life or in Dungeons and Dragons? Yes. yes. <laughs> Turns out humans are just as bad in Dungeons and Dragons. Perfect. I had to Yay. have it no other way. Yay! 
Uh, now, like I said, by immortal, it's pretty much like they're all but immortal. They can't die from aging or disease. They can only die if they are killed. Which, yeah, given that that's... they're, like, exceptionally powerful, I'm going to assume is very difficult to do. Yeah, but possible. Yeah. Also, I wonder if the uh, time dilation applies to them as well. And that's part uh, of the reason why they stay in the Fey Wilds. Because uh, it does not actually. Ah, uh, oh. the uh, time dilation actually does not affect any creature that is from the Fey Wild or has Fey ancestry. They just get immunity to it. Sorry, you just made my DM brain go. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Would yes. that mean then the elves and gnomes are immune? Yes. Oh. Yeah. At least in like this uh, edition for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know about like these early editions because I didn't see anything that specifically mentioned. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty that, sure they're still but... they're they still have fae ancestry and yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. So yeah, they would be more or less immune to it. So the Lachey claim to predate the current multiverse, and when asked, they refer darkly to some catastrophe that not only wiped out most of their people, but changed time so that their era never actually existed. I don't like that. I don't like, like the implications of that. It alludes to a greater story that they're probably going to like dip into later on. Because if you think about it, like massive destruction is kind of kind of on brand for Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Either that or like they're just completely taking the piss. Like they're just they're just really old and time has been flowing in a linear fashion this entire time. And they're just like, hey, how funny would it be <laughs> if we made all of these people think that this terrible thing happened? Well, then they'd have the opportunity to basically, like, rewrite history themselves. Exactly. Because, I mean, the dawn of humankind, they witnessed it happen, so why not form... Why not just tell them something else happened? Or even, like, maybe a little more nefarious in, in essence, is they probably had a hand in the way that humankind has come up. Or yeah. have been able to... Uh -huh progress certain past certain points or anything like that there you have this idea that's kind of floating around the background where maybe these are the things that are pulling the strings or and i hate to bring another franchise into this are any of you familiar with mass effect okay okay so you know in three when you go off planet and then you find uh, travis take off your headphones <laughs> oh never mind okay but you know what i'm talking about yes yeah okay. we yes <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. No we're, gonna have to tag, we're, we're gonna have to tag this episode with Mass Effect Three spoilers for all the people out there that are like Travis. Hey Travis, years. Hey Travis, here's a We've spoiler for Mass Effect Three for nearly four years, and I have just barely gotten him through half of Mass Effect Two. Hey Travis, here's the Mass Effect. Sorry for the Mass Effect Three spoiler where you go into space. Oh hey. yeah, That's you go off planet. You go into space. I know space. exactly what you're talking about though, yeah. and I love it. Well, I, okay, I do too. You get it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And I don't. Sorry, Travis. All the yeah, I was gonna say all of our Mass Effect <laughs> listeners, like y'all know what we're talking about. <laughs> You know, it's it. That is the implication that or I like feel to all from of this, all of yeah. my all my Final Fantasy fourteen people out there, like the Asians. You know, like yeah, 
Now I'm out of my depth, so I'm gonna yeah, nod. I am too. So I'll just be over here by myself. Okay, you're yeah. still lovely. <laughs> uh, so with the Lachey, this is actually one of the things that it mentions that their origins are lost to history. So they never actually expand at all of their actual origins. Mm. So I guess that's just a DM can make it up if yeah, you exactly. want to. Yeah, exactly. Like that to me, it would be like DM, like it's free real estate. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> yep. I can see the very excited DMs. I, I think what's more interesting, and I I don't know if you plan on getting to this, is that uh, their ability to basically charm anything by looking at it. Yes, I actually did not uh, include that in the notes just because I was trying to uh, just save a bit of time. But Sorry. yes, they they can literally just charm things by looking at them, like uh, uh, like a vampire uh, glamour. Yeah, yeah, basically, it's just like oh. you can they can just look at you and you can just become charmed, and ta da! That's that's it. So oh, from uh, like a DM's perspective, they're looking at your party. As if you are just babies, right? So you're not really worth their time. So being on your best behavior and super like polite is gonna help your case if you ever encounter one of these. Yeah. That, yeah. That's yeah. your only saving grace. There's nothing you can literally do against these things. Now, yeah. And hoping that they find you entertaining or uh, charming enough to keep you keep you alive, basically. Basically. Yeah. Uh, and also one of the other fantastical interesting things is their weapons. <laughs> so no. they don't carry weapons on them that you can see or anything because they can just fucking materialize weapons out of nowhere that is like from their own essence. Ooh, that's cool. Kind of like um, like bound weapons in the Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like, if they get in a fight, they will suddenly just make this weapon out of nowhere, and that's it. That's <gasps> just their weapon. That's that's so dope. <sighs> like Imagine what you'd have to do for them to actually make a weapon. You you would have to be a pretty big threat, otherwise they would just laugh at you and flick you to death. Exactly. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> just a, a wave of the hand, you know? So it's seeing a weapon from one of these suckers is like, well, I fucked up. I yes. did Record scratch, yeah, I... freeze frame. <laughs> Bet you're wondering how I ended up in this situation. Uh, the Lachey also have the ability to speak any language within seconds of hearing it spoken for the first time. Right God, down I wish... to like the most courtly or impressive accent. God, I wish that were me. <laughs> Like, oh of, of all of their, like, random, uh, like, of probably all of these things, like the immortal or the um, being able to summon, weapon, like, bound weapons. But, like, God, I wish that were me. It's just, yeah. that would be so dope. Ugh. Uh, so there was an online article that I found from 2002 that is just called Seely and Unseely Courts. So it had information more on the Seely and Unseely Courts, obviously. Right. right. <laughs> uh, so for the Seely Court, uh, members of the Seely Court view themselves as the pinnacle of perfection, still following that lovely same trend. Yeah. Uh, 
status in the court is restricted to only pure blood fang. Okay. So on brand. That's so on brand. Yeah, yeah. that, that, <laughs> that totally makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I I I believe it. Um, admittance to the Sealy Court for outsiders is extremely rare. And if on the off chance an outsider does gain admittance, they must be prepared with valuable and unusual gifts for the Queen of Light. Yep. Sounds about right. And yeah. If, I mean, uh... sounds about white. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that was perfect. <laughs> If they don't provide suitable gifts, they could uh, find themselves lost in an endless hedge maze. Right, because your death can't just be, you know, done in a normal. Death yeah, has to be amusing for the royals. Royals. Yes, so they're going to put you in an endless hedge mage and just watch you run around <laughs> like a chicken with its head cut off. They can't. You know, they can't just snap their fingers and you just go up in flames, or they power word kill you, or whatever. It's like. Ugh. Also, I am specifically, for whatever reason, imagining the head ma- hedge maze scene from The Shining. Ooh, I, I don't know why it would be that that dark, but would I kind well, of you know? Yeah, and I, I also French court esque baroque. Yes, yeah. I also doubt it would be a winter scene because the Sealy is more like summer. spring and summer. Kind so, of. Uh, it is actually, specifically the summer court, right? Le- it is the summer court, but let me shatter that just a little bit. Oh, lovely. This. Uh, apparently, the throne of the Sealy Court is shaped like a large ice dragon. Oh, interesting. Like, it is the summer court, but their throne is a large Seasons ice dragon. don't matter. They, they do what they want. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's more like a power move, though. Yeah, yeah like it's. That's that's yeah. a fuck you to the dragons. That's yeah. all that is. Yeah. Poor and dragons. maybe a little bit to the Queen of Air and Darkness as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. She, she has her own special eyes. She has her own special fuck you. She has her own special uh, fuck you. Yeah. Nice. Of course. Um, Why wouldn't they? <laughs> so the Queen of Light is currently Queen Tatiana. And then she has her king, who is King O. Hey, so a bit of a weird auditory hiccup here. Um, basically, what was trying to be said is that King Oberon is Tatiana's king, and he has a bit of a wandering eye. I'm not quite sure where this bit of the audio went, but that's all that was said. Due to the occasional wanderings of King Oberon. Oh, Oberon's so she's... I like how you say that. Sorry. Occasional. Occasional. So she's a little, she's a little jealous, shall we say. Uh, yeah, she's Hera. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yes, she is Hera. So does this mean uh, Oberon has a thing for swans? <laughs> oh. It doesn't mention that, but probably. Why yeah, not? I. He strikes me as more of a swan guy than um, uh, a cow. Yeah. Oh well, I guess no. I guess in that one with he was the cow with Europa. So whatever. <laughs> but he turned oh. her into a cow. The, there's just the, there's there's he, he's not into the cow that is his wife, unfortunately. There's so much wrong with Greek mythology, and none of us have the time or the spoons to get into why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yes. So instead, let's jump to the opposite end, where we have the unseely court. 
the Unto the Court welcomes anyone and everything with even just the tiniest drop of ancestral fey blood. I immediately like the Unseelie Court more. Yeah. Uh, 32nd fey! I can see that! God, yes. <laughs> That's the worst. That is like the worst part is like... No, if, like, okay, we, we we live in Oklahoma. Almost everyone here has some sort of, oh, I'm like 182nd Native American. Like, God, if you don't belong yeah. to a tribe, shut up. Right. <laughs> so that, that your, your joke just spoke to me. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. yep. Sorry. No, like, I, I, I love no you're right. I, I've I've lived on a reservation, so I, I've heard it all. Like, mm -hmm. oh my god, no, that's you, all you, I'm that, picturing. Thank though, you. thank you. <laughs> it's perfect. And uh, this is where the unseelie get a little kind of off. Uh, the Fey of the unseelie court can and do often breed with anything. Uh, creating odd mixed creatures that most species consider as grotesque monsters. So you mean you mean getting off in a different way than I thought you would? Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But okay, it's... wait, and this is a bad thing. I mean, no. I guess that's okay. Your, uh, it's up to <laughs> that's you. subjective. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but nice. the greatest thing is, is the Unseelie Court welcomes these creatures regardless. I mean, yeah, I, so, good for them. Nice at least it. they're not, at least they're not hypocritical about it. Yeah. This is my son, Todrick. This is my son, Rose. Why is the Rose named Rose? Well, I found a plant that speaks. Excuse so... me? <laughs> I experimented. <laughs> Um, the Hensley Court is also more hospitable for non-fey. Uh, court nobles can often provide patronage for creatures who are extremely strong, dexterous, clever, beautiful, or talented. And like Taylor mentioned earlier, you have the Queen of Air and Darkness, who is the ruler over the Unseelie Court. Uh, she is a fey of unsurpassed beauty and grace, though I'm sure Tatiana would tell you otherwise. It sounds like uh, they might actually be sisters. And that's why they're rivals. And oh. that's where I'm going with that in my head, Canon. So uh, <laughs> do, you, do you have more on that? or There was something mentioned a little bit later, but I honestly can't remember if I wrote that part down or not. And I don't remember what source it came from. When but... I did a lot of research for my fairy character, she was a member of the, her family was part of the court. So um, she um, basically there are several interpretations in which they're sisters. There are oh. interpretations where they are um, like two sides of the same coin, basically, whether or not they came from the same like personality or whatever. Um, and it just got twisted. Yeah. There are that a lot of theories and it's really cool <laughs> yeah there's just so much information for the Feywild that i had to just try to cut as much out and try to get some of the more like interesting bits as i could but obviously i had to cut out interesting bits too so it's all very sad <laughs> you have to pick and choose your battles it makes sense pretty much from what i can recall of that story though basically was there were two sisters and a brother 
the younger sister wound up finding all of the creatures that had been like forsaken and cast out and became friends with them basically creating the unseely side and then her brother and sister went to try to like bring her back and she lashed out and attacked them and then that caused a permanent separation between their families so she became basically the unseely queen and then the other daughter pretty much became the Seely Queen. That's the <laughs> bit that I can recall. Are you saying that Tatiana and Oberyn are brother and sister? Uh, so it didn't mention uh, the brother's name, so I, I'm not 100% sure, but God, I hope not. J.J.R. Martin stuff is this! <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> I'm it's gonna interpret good. it as no. I, that And that is my decision, and um, I'm going with not, you on that one. Thank, yep. thank you. Same. Um, I don't know what happened to their brother, but it's not over. And <laughs> rip. Definitely not him. So the Queen of Air and Darkness actually has no current like consort and no surviving children. That's so. Surviving was an interesting word word choice. It's I, yeah. It said surviving children, so I don't know if she had children and they no longer live, or if they just worded that weirdly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that the wording was intentional. Open to <laughs> DM interpretation. Well, I mean, considering that uh, the Unseelie courts are more favorable towards interbreeding with everything, it would seem that the children perhaps lived mortal lives. That would make True. sense. Yeah, so. that, that would make sense. So, I mean, naturally, because she doesn't have an heir, all the nobles are trying to, like, win her favor so they can be named the royal heir. Oh. Yeah. That tracks. Uh, outsiders not of Fae Blood are still, like, rarely admitted to the Unseelie Court. They're not, like, against having them as, like... Visitors are, like, helping them, but they won't make them a part of the actual, like, court. Oh, I mean, that makes sense still. Yeah. Yeah. Because no matter how welcoming you are, there is still that that differentiation needs to be had. Like, we are still better than you. Yeah. If only by, like, 185th. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but they do still hold the same thing that the Sealy Court does, whereas visitors need to be prepared with uh, some unusual and powerful gifts. For the queen, and if not, instead of finding themselves in a hedge mage, they will instead find themselves as the quarry of a nightmarish hunt. The wild hunt. Ooh, That's the what wild that is. Hunt. Nice. Yes, the wild hunt. Like you, you have Witcher reference to the wild hunt, but it's actually a legitimate thing. So the wild hunt is part of folklore where the fairy courts would go on this rampage through the the countryside looking for prey which was usually mortal prey so yay yep. <laughs> and uh that's what they do so if you happen to go there i mean take your pick do you want to risk hedge mage or just being hunted yeah i'll take my chances with the hunt yeah it seems at least you have room to like run i'm just gonna stay home i think <laughs> <laughs> and uh the throne of the unseelie court is shaped like a great shadow dragon Interesting. so nice they both have a kind of like fuck you to the <clears throat> to the dragons for some reason or another. 
Well, hearing that, it sounds more or less that I don't think it's so much as a fuck you at this point as it is a reflection of the matriarchy's personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, that also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually. That, that tracks. So that that's my two cents. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so both of the thrones are commonly thought to be magical, but only the queens know of, like, their true nature. And as far as what their magical stuff can be, apparently the reason why you have two queens is because there have been a few males that have tried to take the throne, but none of them have been able to survive the rights of secession. Oh. Which is just a... It's this whole, like, treacherous thing that you have to go through to become the queen. Or king, if you can survive it. Mm-hmm. It's a lengthy rite of passage that not anyone hardly ever survives. Because I imagine if they did, then they would be named the heir, and there is none. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, what if the thrones are just, like, hibernating dragons? Like, they're just like, yeah, I'll just chill here. Whatever. Still as a chair. That's I'll kind just of be what a... I was thinking, though. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know, maybe, like, one day they, like, some some shit's going down and they, like, wake up and, like, the fairy queen's just, like, flying in on a dragon. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Imagery. That's what the inside of my brain looks like. I like the inside of your brain. Thank you. It's good. So, here's the thing, though, is it never actually says, like, specifically what kind of magic the thrones have, except for this little bit about the final rite of secession has the aspiring queen, or in some instances, I guess, king, ascend upon the throne. And it is here that sometimes the uh, candidates can just die, being rejected in some fashion by the throne. It doesn't specify any specific reasons or why, but the throne will reject them and they will die. So that tracks with what your original idea was, but they were legit dragons. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe they just get eaten. Uh, oh. They just get swallowed up, so no one really knows why. So uh, we have a little bit more about the Lachey from the Grand History of the Realms, the Moonshays. This was an article from Dragon Magazine 362 that was from 2007. At one point in negative 11,000 DR, Faye took a greater interest in the archipelago that was known as the Moonshay Isles. The Moonshay Isles was created from the sun uh, basically, the sundering caused the seas to like violently churn and grow. Massive earthquakes pushed a continental plate westward, and that plate wound up like rising up and forming the isle. And then over the next like several centuries, the seas would like kind of calm. The earthquakes subsided. Volcanoes became dormant again. And for whatever reason, all of this was thought to be the work of the Lachey or their gods. They're not sure so we're kind of back to looking at the Lachey as basically godlike beings right if they were the ones to actually stop it just the more we learn about the Lachey the more terrifying they are I'm just putting that out there oh yeah for sure so uh then you have negative 10,500 DR the Lachey established the kingdom of Seraphal and its capital Carador and this part I just found it funny and figured everyone would enjoy. Negative 10,000 DR, the elder unicorn Cameron arrives on the moonshays to defend the fields and the glens. So I'm just going to stop you right there. Unicorns have always been my favorite thing ever. 
<laughs> nice. And right? Like, but I'm talking D&D, folklore, books, you name it. Unicorns are just, they're bad at Mm-hmm. And everybody always thinks there's these cute, soft things, but they're not. I love them. No, they have they giant not. horns on their heads. And then you How watch. How can you think that they're just like, oh, they're just like chill, like, and they chill. just want to be friends? No. And then you watch. Oh, and then you watch Cabin in the Woods, where like the right? unicorn stabs that one tech that like works there, and it's like, fuck yeah. I've always had this like headcanon that like unicorns are, are matriarchal society, almost like how the Fae have been described, except mm-hmm. they are a warring creature and they actively seek out to kill things, not because they, they want to murder, like they're not, I'm alien and versus predator sort of thing, uh, but because they have to prove themselves constantly. Like it, kind of like an like Amazonian of creatures. Uh, yeah basically and they see them as being like yes they're these great defenders but they're not actually defending anything the only reason they've gotten this this title of being a defender and healer and everything along those lines is because they just have the right place at the right time consistently yeah like so anyway i, that, like it. I love it side about unicorns like may or may not be working on a playable race but that's that's (laughs) please look forward to it that could be that could be fun that's all you need to know anyway carry on uh starting in negative 2000 dr a war between what was called the beast excuse me it it's i mean i guess that's his name its name is just the beast or Beast. With with se- with seven heads and ten horns, or you know what? Yes, let's go with that one. Okay, Satan's uh, here now. Yes, a war between the beast and the lure. I'm probably pronouncing that horribly <laughs> well, wrong. Luar? Okay, no, 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 Luar? no, no. You just you just cover up the little uh, bit on the second R, and they are at war with the Luin. They are at war Luin. with me. Yes. Lu- Luin. Uh, the Luin is yes. just a race of elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. <laughs> uh, they were aligned with the Doors and the Children of the Earth Mother. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So this is what happened when um, Legolas and Gimli got together and... Oh, yes. no. <laughs> so, These are uh, all of their their people. Beast ends up summoning Fremorians, which are basically just an evil race of giant-sized fae out of the Feywild to fight for him. But eventually they end up getting, like, cornered into, like, this tiniest little bit of the Moonshays, and then they just kind of end up being defeated. Huh. I feel like we've... We might have met. I think we've mentioned the Fomorians before. I'm really not sure. I feel Briefly. like we have, yeah. Yeah, probably. We've done, we've done so many episodes. Not in the giant episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. The giant episode. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah. they're fucking giant. Yeah. yeah, they're like the, they're the, um, they're the, uh, the I don't know. The, they're the giant. Bat. 
Right, yeah. So, uh, for whatever reason, in negative 500 DR, most of the Fey, the Shay, and the Fremorians just kind of, like, inexplicably retreated back to the Feywild, completely abandoning the kingdom of Seraphal and their claim to the Moonshay Isles. Never explained why, they just inexplicably decided that it was time to go. I mean, given that it's the Fey, it could be anything from, like, an act something actually happening or like an ever meet type thing or they just just because of their their nature they're just like eh let's go back to the fey wild why did we ever leave the fey wild let's go back you know yeah. they do not have to tired of this kingdom yeah. i tire of this <laughs> that's all their reason has to be and like who's going to question them really <laughs> nobody who who values their safety Thank you. We are going to move into fourth edition. Yay. Um, we have a thing on this podcast where we um don't like fourth edition. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, edition okay. Up so many things. <laughs> However, in this, they didn't really fuck anything up. Oh, oh interesting. That, that's so, even different. Yeah, it's surprising. Uh, they did have a little bit of like a difference in how the Feywild was actually created, um, which is compared to the lack. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're totally right. It's fourth edition, so I mean, who it really? It changes everything. Yeah. And then I mean, you change it back. First of all, it is now officially known as the Feywild rather than the Plane of Fairy, but it is still mentioned in Olden. In Olden. In sure. Olden. Ye olden. In older elven texts that it is still called like fairy sometimes. So the name still exists. It's just commonly called Feywild. The uh, primordials formed the world from like the raw material of the elemental chaos. Right. As they were forming it, they found bits of it to be, quote, too vivid and bright and like pulled them out and threw them away. Okay, I, I'm kind of with it. Yeah. So all of these uh, bits and pieces of the vivid and bright world that they threw away started to form and eventually form together to create the Feywild. Okay, I'm kind of I'm with it, actually. It's, it's also like the phrasing is very, um, it's very beautiful in its simplicity, mm-hmm. in, a, in a way. It is very yeah. simple. Which it also supports my uh, thing about uh, the Feywild being the neon edit. Yeah, as opposed to the pastel edit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and usually 4th edition's um, simplification of things is a problem. But I think for this origin, it works. It works. And then uh, they also found bits that were too dark and murky and threw those away. And that resulted in the creation of the Shadowfell. Shadowfell, yep. Hooray, nice. Yay. Um, in 4th edition, uh, from, from the Forgotten Realms campaign guide, it mentions that the Shadowfell is what used to be known as the Plane of Shadow in previous editions. They just kind of took it and, of course, like they do with everything, folded it up, tore it apart, and changed it. Yep. <laughs> I like the name out of it. Out of everything, the names that they kind of picked in fourth edition, I think, work the best. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, the, the for names sure. are really good. Uh, the dark goddess Shar apparently reshaped the oh. planet's shadow. 
into the Shadowfell. Oh, Shar. So, like... Nice. Okay. So, I guess, technically, the Plane of Shadow did exist in 4th edition, briefly enough for them to be like, yeah, uh, this goddess took it and then changed it. Yeah, uh, ah, Shar. And then the Shadowfell reflects the Prime Material Plane like the Feywild does, except instead of reflect reflecting it in, like, the bright, vivid light, it reflects the landscape in a decaying nightmare landscape of just, like, dull, gray, black, and white colors. And... And other F words. Uh, yeah. 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 It's like, um, you know, actually specifically um, with that description, I'm imagining it kind of looking like, um, like film noir. Oh, that would be which super is, cool. Yeah. Which is, which is. Mm. Yeah. That's actually the imagery I had in my head whenever I was like reading about it. It was just like this film noir style. Feywild, basically. I like it. Nice. Oof. Uh, so then we jump to Manual of the Planes, because as most 4th edition things, the information is very scattered about in different source books, instead of it all like being retained in one place. Right. Uh, we learn of places that are apparently called Worldfalls. Okay. A Worldfall occurs when the ebb and flow of planar energy allows like a huge uh, tract of land from like one plane to just shift to the other oh okay so what so, i'm trying to understand i've used a world fall that's something i've actually adopted think that the way we kind of described it was like catastrophic shifting though so mm -hmm. like almost mm, like two plates colliding together okay, is how yeah. we yeah. described it mm -hmm. so yeah that, it's I, up to dm i think but mm -hmm. yeah uh basically it just says that these world falls are basically certain places in the Feywild will occasionally like overlap with the prime material plane and kind of like merge into one briefly enough and then it'll like shift back. Things get taken, things get dropped off. It's supposed to be super chaotic is the idea behind it. Yeah, and it's also a easy way to get to the Feywild easy in the sense of you don't have to like open up a portal because there is a city of Shinalestra. Shin sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, apparently it shifts into the prime every midnight and then shifts back to the Feywild before dawn. <laughs> so you could Good. go to where it shifts in and out and when it shifts at midnight, go into the city wait for it to shift back to the Feywild, and you can leave the city and be in the Feywild. Could you imagine that city? Like, let's party! Because that's that's what that city was designed for. Yeah, the, the, yeah. That's, that's a party town. That is straight up, that straight up is a party town. But also, imagine being the people who had to construct that city. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Oh. Let's just have an entire campaign based around the people who had to build that city. <laughs> <laughs> like just how yeah, that's horrible like a, that experience is. Oh yeah. It's, it's like constantly a shifting. Just like city building simulation on like the most like master level difficulty. Mm -hmm. Like this yeah. is like SimCity Savage. Um and of course there are um like the lovely hags that exist mm. in the Feywild. And in this, it specifically notes that in the bogs that hags like to hang around in, 
apparently have a sulfurous fog that can, like, choke you hmm. and cause you to suffocate. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's great. So natural landmarks such as like rivers and mountains are mirrored in the Feywild, but if there's any like built landmarks like cities or monuments or something that's just completely not natural, there is no mirrored object in the Feywild to that. Okay, it that's up, interesting. It ends up being like nothing more than like a small clearing in the Feywild. It's a departure from previous. Yeah, but it I, I I can I can kind of jive with it. The the notion that it's only natural things that are reflected in the Feywild as opposed to um like man-made things. I can jive with that. But then you can kick it up a notch because anything that is man-made and man-changed on the mortal plane is not going to be changed in the Feywild. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so there, you could so... theoretically put somebody in a giant rock if you wanted to. If mm -hmm. you knew what you were doing. <laughs> you like get teleported um, to the Feywild and you just spawn inside of a rock and just oh no oh, no. oh my god I, I have heard crushed. a story similar to that oh no I want to know but I, I know we're we're moving through things but yeah long we'll story short cut the arm off oh oh okay. no I mean at least it was the arm and not yeah. the head for example yeah fair so this is actually kind of one of my favorite things that they added in fourth edition that I didn't see anywhere else. And that is that apparently depending on what direction you're traveling, the travel time could vary. But that makes more sense to me in yeah. terms of the Feywild. That I think is one of those things that most people should keep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like love that idea because it gave the example that traveling from the city of Adani to the council warrens takes three days less than the trip from the council warrens to the Adani. Trippy. So you can go one way and it'll take like six days and you go the other way and it takes nine days. I love that because it literally just feels like the, 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 the wilds are fucking with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> straight up just fucking with you completely uh they also introduced the fade demesnus if i pronounce that correctly pronunciations are hard yeah yeah and uh <laughs> these are typically in a location where there are two or more ley lines that meet together and a fade or de <laughs> Yes, that word. Attunes itself to the most powerful denizen that dwells within its boundaries. And this will, like, alter its environment to reflect the mood or disposition of that creature. Terrifying. Fucking ley lines. Fucking ley lines. So if it's attuned to someone and they get really pissed off the whole environment is going to like shift and be like more hostile and angry and murdery the trope in your your games where you adopt an npc but it actually turns out to be the bbeg have you have you done that yeah. before? oh uh, I, I have not, not done it not but... on that scale 
but yeah okay that that's kind of where i went with that brain place like imagine okay yeah. now yeah. now i have now i have to be suspicious of anything adoptable whether it be like an animal or like a, a person or something that's going to come in contact with our party so so have you like is that not a thing you've experienced you've never had a dm do that to you before uh -uh. um no the worst he's done to me so far was a um abandoned little orphan child in the middle of the woods that i was going to help find uh her parents ended up being a zombie child that bit me good well but and the, the thing about that was that it was like tldr it was like a super cursed like spoopy um forest and so everyone else and including Taylor herself, not her character. My brain, but not my character. Knew what was going to happen. But Taylor's character, being the way she was and motivated by the things she was motivated by, was like, I'm I'm going to help this child. But everyone else, including Taylor, was like, Ho, oh, don't do it. <laughs> that, oh, there was, I, I hate how how I hate, when I say I hate, I really mean I love, but I hate when DMs are so good. They're like, I'm going to put you in a position that I know that you know that you shouldn't be doing it, but your character won't know, and your character is going to make you do it. Yep. It's great. Ugh. Food and miss. I'm just saying, be careful what you adopt, especially if you're going to go for adventures out in the Feywild. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> or uh, adventures in the Feydark. There you go. Which uh, this was the first time I saw the Fey Dark mentioned as well. And I mean, it's basically just the Fey parallel to the Prime Materials Underdark. All oh, right. I think the I think uh, the Fomorians uh, in fourth edition hang out in the Fey Dark. Yes, yeah. that is where they live. Right. I think that's that's the context that I remember them in. Uh, unlike the Underdark, however, the uh, magical, like, wild nature of the Feywild still exists in the Feydark, so instead of it being just, like, pitch black all the time, there are translucent, glowing purple crystals that will Ooh. light the Feydark. Just sounds oh, so cool. I want it. Aesthetic! And, like, the Underdark, you know, is usually just, like, bare stone, but the Feydark is lined with these bizarre fungi everywhere. <gasps> Aesthetic! <laughs> aesthetic! And one more great aesthetic for you. There are oh. forests of mushrooms as tall as humans that grow on the sides of cliffs in the Feydark. <gasps> okay, it's literally like Blackreach, but purple instead of like blue. See, I just went to Dark Souls where you just get crushed by angry mushrooms when you go out oh god okay uh, like that, yeah. that, that gif of the fucking mushroom guy just like Walking up and socking the player. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. And then, like, it you is so died. true. You died. Walk up, whack. That, except it's the Fade Arc. Yep. Yeah. I mean, industrious humans could do that, but hey, it's good. It's good. Carry on. <laughs> so, there is a supplement called Players Options Heroes of the Feywild. Oh, and yes. Yes. An entire supplement about the Feywild. And while I wish I could just absolutely go over everything there, we just can't. There's just not enough time. So I had to pick just a few things that I found kind of interesting through it. But I will encourage anyone, if you get the chance, to check it out because it's just all Feywild stuff. That's all it is. 
nice. And the, all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've never even heard of it. So this is new to me. Yeah. And the, I, I, we've talked about a couple of the players option, um, things before. Uh, and I feel like they usually like on the whole have like pretty cool shit in them. Um, but that might also be by virtue of them actually expanding on something in fourth edition, which is novel. So, (laughs) but I feel like I, I have enjoyed the player's option things like on a whole. Yeah. So this gives mention to, uh, apparently enchanted forests that wander across the landscape in the Feywild. So cool. Sorry. No, it is. Like, yeah. Just roving herds of fucking trees that just roam across every once in a while, planting themselves and then getting up and moving later. Nice. Whatever makes them happy. You go, yeah. trees. Yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. Um, it mentions that those who travel to the Feywild and then return to the Prime rarely, if ever, readjust to their normal lives. Because of all of the like splendor and vivid colors and magic and everything of the Feywild, it just it it doesn't compare when you go back to the Prime. So some people just right. never readjust to it. Yeah, I mean, I like <laughs> it's like when you're when you're G posing and you turn on G shade and you turn on like chroma key and you're like wow, and then you like close G shade and just have the regular game colors back on and it's like oh. Oh, um, it's it, so boring, oh, right? Like, so oh, and boring. who turned the contrast down? You did. Oh, oh, put it back. <laughs> uh, it mentioned that in some areas, time virtually stands still, which I only mentioned because that part doesn't make sense to me, considering that the Feywild already is kind of virtually like timeless. It's mm-hmm. not fully timeless, just it's virtually timeless. So I figured it, that was just kind of like a redundancy. In my head, just adds to the whole, like, it, it's all chaotic and just varies wildly from, like, spot to spot. That's yeah. exactly where I would have gone with that, too. So yeah. I agree. And, you know, of course, like we've mentioned before, it is not all, like, happy and magical because you do still have like the hags, trolls, the Fremorian kings, ogres, all the things that just want to eat you live there too. Mm-hmm. Delicious, delicious mm-hmm. murder hobos. Got it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, it, so this part, it mentioned that there were like certain ways that Archfey could be killed. Like some of them can't be killed just by normal weapons and magic, but there are like special ways they have to be killed. Um, apparently this one is known as the Prince of Frost, and his heart is literally frozen because his true love betrayed him. So, like, the best way to kill him is to, like, thaw his heart back out, but the only way to do that is to reunite him with his true love that betrayed him. Like the easy way to get around that would be like, well, if she was your true love, do you think she would have betrayed you? Right? You would think. No. 
But no, this guy, he just doesn't get it. Yeah, you, uh, mm. you just, you, um, that into you. <laughs> you give him, you give him an aneurysm from like trying to process nuance. <laughs> That's how you kill him. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, it mentions, uh, Fey packs in this. <laughs> and it says that Fey that make packs and bargains become magically bound to their promises. So oh. breaking an oath or granting a favor places the fae under the power of another creature, which a fae does not want to be under the power of another creature. Rumpelstiltskin. Yes. Yes. <gasps> yes. He is the oh. first person I thought of whenever I heard that. Oh. Just fucking Rumpelstiltskin. He is a fae creature. Yes. So now we shift into the fifth edition. Yay. Yay. Love fifth edition. Fifth edition is my favorite, I will admit to that. Yes, same. What that most people understand. Uh, so from the Dungeon Master's Guide, uh, it, this is where it finally mentions that the Seelie and Unseelie do not directly correlate with good and evil. Like, yeah. They yes. finally made that distinction. Yes. Morality is gray for them. Yes. Uh, honestly, morality is rainbow for them, I think. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, Does it have true. a hole? Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Fairies 101. Go ahead. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it mentions that, you know, while the two courts have warred with each other at times, they also compete in what it says more or less friendly contests and have even allied with one another in like small and secret ways before a little bit so of sounds, murder well a little bit of murder but it really does sound like the baroque french court yes. yeah a That's lot of all, mm, incredibly french no, no no that was the extent of my brain it it fizzled and went out just now you're good yeah Some, <laughs> sometimes it'd be that way but like I, i'm imagining that kind of like a lot of like that really like you said like caddy like court drama and you know um like gossiping and backbiting and you can't necessarily prove that this person poisoned this other person but like you're pretty sure and then yeah. so and so specifically got this one piece of jewelry because i just got a new piece of jewelry how dare them i'm gonna mm -hmm. pay this guy off to break something etc it yeah, really yeah. is just what it is you insult someone specifically by not saying hello to them etc etc yep and then as yep. far as the distinctions between Ncelia and Celia, i feel like they're better described as like Ncelia are like the otherworldly um kind of unnerving type of beauty and then the Celia are like the ethereal type of beauty yeah oh, i like that mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's really good actually thank you good job so they changed the time warp effect a little bit in 5th edition <clears throat> to where it's not just like one option anymore. There is a table that you can roll from or just choose if you want when players spend more than one day in the Feywild. And your options basically become days become minutes, hours, or there's no change, or they can become weeks, months, or years depending on what you choose or what you roll. I, I like that, yeah. Adds so, to the randomness. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it adds to the randomness, the cha the chaoticness of the Feywild and its weird, loopy time things. Don't make a Doctor Who joke. Don't make a Doctor Who joke. Don't do it. Why? It's low-hanging fruit. 
Timey wimey. Thank you. Yes. Good. Uh, if if somebody didn't do it, I was gonna do it. Wobbly. Yeah, it's good. Don't worry about it. I knew someone was going to. It like it was it was like required. Yes. Yeah. It was gonna happen. And of course they added the memory loss to the Feywild. <gasps> oh. And this is that upon leaving the Feywild, a creature must make a wisdom saving throw. The DC is just 10. Uh, any Fey creature automatically succeeds on the saving throw, as well as any creature that has the Fey ancestry trait. And failing the save causes the creature to remember absolutely nothing from the time they spent in the Feywild. Oh. And it even says that, like, succeeding on it, you remember, but it's very fuzzy. Imagine, like, you go to the Feywild and you, like, fall in love with someone and get married and, like, have, like, a baby or something. Oh. Oh. That's a common trope in and fairy tales. Like, yeah. Oh. You come back and you have no memory of this life. And, like, what if your, like, family, your Fey family tries to find you and you don't remember them? Um, it does, however, give... Uh, the specification that any spell that can end a curse can restore lost memories from the Feywild. Hmm. Interesting. So if that did happen to be the case and someone like basically just used something to remove a curse, you would remember. If well, I they mean, knew that, that that's what was going on. Right. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> that... Hmm. Be the because that would that would imply that the the Feywilds are cursing you. Well, yeah, and that the specifically the the memory loss itself was somehow a curse or akin to a curse in some way, which is hmm, interesting. Yeah. yeah, implications. So, uh, something that was kind of interesting from the Sword Coast Adventurers Guide is that a warlock can make a pact with an archfey as their patron. Uh, this includes um, Tatiana, the Summer Queen, uh, Oberon, the Green Lord. And I love in this, it specifies that it is um, Tatiana's lover and, quote, frequently her foe. It is incredibly fairy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, do, do you mean a Titania? Titania. Yeah, that's what I okay, mean. Okay, because you would you would words are hard. Okay, I didn't. I, I it mean, auto correct. It auto corrected at the beginning to say Tatiana. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was like earlier, I was thinking like, I I don't I don't want to tell you your business, Travis. But I was like, no, that's auto correct being dumb. <laughs> oh no, the term is don't tell me what I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like um looks at smudged writing on hand. Yeah, I, I love the uh the fairy monarchs, um Tatiana and uh Ober and Martel. <laughs> this says Tidiana on it. Tidiana. 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 I like it. So uh from Volo's Guide to Monsters, there are three very interesting creatures that can exist in the Feywild that are created in very different ways. <clears throat> okay. So the first one we have uh the red caps, which are you know just the little mushroom creatures. Oh, those guys. Yep. So, so in the Feywild, 
or where the plane touches the world like at a fey crossing if a sentient creature acts on an intense desire for bloodshed one or more red caps might appear where the blood of a slain person soaks the ground yeah what's really interesting is that there is a uh folklore down in deep south texas that has to do with a similar idea but with cactus so yeah so cactus only grow where blood has been shed wow that's so cool so i'm sorry no thank you uh then you have boggles which is just a great name it is a fantastic name uh (laughs) these are creatures that are born out of feelings of loneliness they materialize in a place where the uh, Feywild touches the world in proximity to an intelligent being that feels isolated or abandoned. Me? You're telling me that they literally blink a friend into existence? Yeah. Yes. It that actually. Is so sweet. <laughs> it actually mentioned that as an example, a child that got lost in the woods could spawn a boggle and think that it's just an imaginary friend. <laughs> But oh. it's actually an actual creature that will live in the Feywild. My heart. What? Look. Yep. It's a shame they're <clears throat> ugly as hell. They are so <laughs> horrible. You know, I mean, with the even, name Boggle, though. Even ugly people need friends, okay? No, this is like above and beyond. Like it's it's edging into so ugly. It's adorable. I was yeah, just gonna you're, say you're... that. Like they're yeah, they're so ugly, but they're kind of cute. They have like those huge like fat heads. They just look kind of derpy. Teeth. I mean, like they can hang. I love them. Oh God! You know what they? You know what the they um remind me of? They look kind of like um My precious. A- Okay, no, to, yes, for whatever reason, yes. my brain is giving me a cross between an ogre and a zumbini. Oh, no. You guys remember the zumbinis? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, the boggles just get worse. They eat but- on organic waste, insects, plants, lichens, and the carcasses of animals that others have killed. Ah. Beautiful. Ah, uh, okay, go ahead. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I feel like... Buddy, buddy. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I saw that real time. Sorry. <laughs> Greystone is like, hey, I'm gonna drop some. I'm gonna drop some cool Feywild lore on you guys. It's beautiful, and I, it's just I, the 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 number three over and over again, just constantly. So uh, we have the Minlock, which uh, spawn whenever fear overwhelms a creature in the Feywild. Or in really any other location where the Feywild's influence is, like, that strong. So, Fey Crossing, etc. Yeah. Right. Uh, That's pretty much it for the Minlock. Like, they just spawn out of fear. What about a Nuzlocke? We don't Uh, talk about that. (laughs) Those also spawn out of fear. Those are spawn out of fear. (laughs) They spawn out of desperation. They spawn out of self-hatred. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right. So, in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, we finally get to the Eladrin, and it says <laughs> that these are the closest in form and ability to the first generation of elves. 
<clears throat> they're very slender with hair and skin colored being determined by the season that they feel like the closest affinity to or <gasps> also their mood. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if I keep getting out. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. It, it gets out every so often. Yeah. But it's because I get really high pitched. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It's excitement. I understand. Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, screaming a lot. You know, you need a microphone that doesn't make everyone go deaf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I love the Eldrin. The Eldrin are pretty great. Yeah. Their system of justice uh, differs, like, can differ drastically. It can be, like, capriciously harsh or whimsically mild and is all straight up depending on the mood of the Eldrin that's passing the judgment. Yeah. Like, there's no... Something, something U.S. justice system. <laughs> Yeah. Damn, this tea is scalding. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> so uh, the magic that flows through an Elgin responds to their emotional state, and this is what causes them to like transform into different seasonal aspects. Like you have autumn, which is uh, when they become overcome by feelings of like goodwill. Spring, it's feelings of joy. Summer is anger, and winter is sorrow. And the best thing I love about the winter part is it mentions that their sadness emanates from them as bitter cold. Oh, that's fun. So, like, they're so sad that they're just emanating cold. Hey, as somebody who deeply feels any kind of shift in the weather, I would be so screwed. Yeah. Like, I, I, I need a heating rock to live. You don't understand. <laughs> Confirm. Sasha Ashley I mean, is a lizard. It's true. Snake. But it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Reptile. Yeah. Reptile. Snapple. Reptile. There you go. Reptile of some sort. Uh, I understand because I am a lizard person. But, like, imagine yeah. having to hang out with someone who's so sad that you're just sitting there, like, in your, your mittens and your puffy jacket going, fuck! Please, you're up! Okay! I will help you feel better. Have you tried yoga? Yoga fixes everything. Or, like, meditation. Oh, my God. It's just an entire campaign trying to cheer up one really, really sad Eldrin. Really, really sad. Yeah. It's just like a road trip to try to find, to just try to find something that gives them some dopamine. Yeah. Eldrin I, I Millennials 2021. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, the, we're going to jump to the last little bit here from the uh, Into the Feywild adventure that got released. Uh, it's an adventure, so obviously I'm not going to like spoil anything as far as the storyline. But I did want to point out uh, one of the backgrounds that they released with it, which is called Fey Lost. Which is basically you can choose this background and you grew up in the Feywild after disappearing from your home plane as a child. Ooh. <gasps> oh, like a... Oh. Oh. So that implies that there's a changeling version of you. Yeah. Ah! Oh, that's so cool. Holy shit. <gasps> so that implies that you could literally have to fight yourself at some point. 
Oh. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Hate, hate to ruin that for you. Good luck. I know. Oh. I love it. Good luck. And then uh, they added two uh, races that you can play because this whole adventure takes place in the Feywild. Mm-hmm. So they finally added a character class of a fairy. Nice. You can just straight up play a fairy. I no longer have to be homebrew. This is amazing. Yes, you can just have <laughs> the fairy. And it gives you a lovely list of uh, characteristics you can get. Uh, like your wings are like those of a bird. You have shimmering multicolored skin. Your legs are insectile. You smell like fresh brownies. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it so much. And then you have the uh, Herangon, which is a race of fucking rabbits. <gasps> so are you saying that we could like have a reenactment of Dungeons and Dragons, but with Watership Down? Yes. <gasps> yes. Um, oh, no. Oh, oh yes. Oh, Let the fields commence. Male Vieira <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> the handgun are literally rabbit folk. Like I, like they look like like rabbits. The ultimate bunny girl. Bentui. <laughs> but but um, okay, I need to. I need to. I need to go and. The pictures are pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm already looking. The pictures are pretty good. Um, holy oh. shit, they look oh my god, that's so cute. Holy it's, shit, it's great. I love that they added it. Like, it's, I don't even know why I, I didn't know I wanted it, but right, I like, it. I didn't know that I needed this, but like, give it to me. Banui, really the fact that they did not lean out of like making their faces so an- animal, yeah, yeah, like they just stuck with rabbits except they're standing on two feet basically yeah nice so then they're so cute so realistically you could have like the rabbit but you could have a hair version of it as well yeah so you could really like lean into it and have an entire like basis Uh of like you got rabbits and hares and this one's got spotty dotties this one likes to run that's super cool sorry like this, one really has, this one has this one has lop ears. Really I I love every time they introduce new races into D and D. Yeah, about it, you can just do whatever you feel like. You can I'm be a, you can be Banui. I'm just imagining we, we... like floppy eared clerics. Yes. <gasps> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and one of the cool I'm things about to... the uh, hair gun is their he- their hair trigger uh, <laughs> ability, hair which trigger. allows you to add your proficiency bonus to your initiative rolls. Oh, oh, so oh, okay. It basically acts on the fact that rabbits' instincts are much faster, so mm-hmm. you have a higher initiative role. I would love to know kind of like their entire background because, you know, there's actually a big difference between hares and rabbits. Yeah. Like, here's my redneck coming out. Don't mind me. Rabbits being like <laughs> terrified of everything, but hares will fight a bitch. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So I would love to see how that would play into it. Like just from a character creation aspect, like if you're mm-hmm. going to lean into it, because I mean, for God's sakes, you are a walking rabbit at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that could lead to a lot of really fun, um, like variations for characters, like how you kind of have like you have sun elves, you have moon elves, um, uh, you have drow and all that kind of stuff. So you could have like the rabbit kind of um, Haragons. And then you could have like the hare Haragons for lack of a better. One leans more towards actual physical confrontation. The other is probably say more book smart. Yeah. 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 The more diplomatic of the two. Yeah. Also. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Stay with me here. A Haragon, a Haragon paladin. That's just Judy Hopps. No! <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That you know, I should have I should have waited and made that my joke paladin character. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> but okay, wait, wait, wait. So do you guys the Judy Hopps? on an owl beast riding an owl beast into battle yes yes now now make it terrifying you're gonna you're gonna do this you're gonna lean straight into the disney thing yeah you bring that owl beast into battle with you so it'd have to be like a paladin with animal familiar (laughs) (laughs) yeah nice it it works i and and then if you're going to make uh nick it has to be a kitsune that is not afraid of murder if we're gonna lean into it mm-hmm. there you go yeah or you could just straight up get yourself a cat folk mm-hmm. call it good yeah. run with it yeah it doesn't necessarily have to be a fox True. we could we, i you know really what like bring the back because they're not used that often no yeah. or bring back the fucking henge yokai come on Hmm. Bring them what back. if you just make an entire cast of characters based off of the Disney thing? Don't tell anybody what you're doing. And then they realize partway through, they're like, wait a minute, this is the plot of the Disney Pixar film Zootopia. Exactly. <laughs> that seems like exactly the kind of thing that Lewin would and do. And then all of your friends stop being friends with you. See, uh, why did you have them in the first place? I couldn't exactly. do that because I haven't seen Zootopia. He he's honestly he is so far behind on media. I just got him to watch Lilo and Stitch. Okay, I live under a rock, and I've seen Zootopia. Oh my god! So he has no excuse. I don't. Mm -mm. I don't Mm -mm. have any excuse. I think it's free on Prime. Okay, and we have Disney Plus. So, what the hell? <laughs> okay, so after this, we're all gonna watch Zootopia together. Jesus. Okay, this, this is our this is our this he is our thing, right? This is our thing that we have yeah. to make Travis watch this episode because I feel like we have at least it's one. It's just a routine of like someone will make a reference and Travis is like, I don't get it. I've never seen that, and then we're like, okay, well, we have to go watch that now. Mm-hmm. Have you seen like Alien versus Predator? Yes. Okay, I you've seen, seen the that. Alien movies. You've seen the Predator movies. Did you get the uh, Watership Down reference? I, I did get the watch. <laughs> okay, okay, just had to make sure. <laughs> like, I just uh, recently watched Lilo and Stitch for the first time. This is your badness level. Yep, this is my badness level. It's bad. 
It's up there. It's unusually there. high for someone your size. <laughs> yes. My God. So we got uh, pixies and bunnies. We got fairies. And I have to say, out of all of the things that we've discussed today, uh, the fact that Taylor's obsession with the Unseelie court is just probably my new favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love them so much, and I can't even explain why. I've never well, even played a, a member of the Unseelie court. Well, I mean, I can explain why, and that's because they have... Um, a little bit more of a of an unnerving darker aesthetic and they're also like criminally misunderstood by most people that's why you like them so much i didn't mean need to be called out like that but yeah i mean i'm just saying (laughs) uh you got called out anyway it's gonna happen just lean into it at this point right like um my new favorite thing is that you can uh make that character with like actual like D statistics (laughs) Like yes. and stuff now, and you don't have to homebrew it all yourself. So yeah. I actually did pull it up. Uh, okay. Oh, so it's it's cat, Autro, and fee was the combat combatants that I had, and so I actually had a couple of um, pictures pulled up. So I had to change things. Let me see if I can pull this up for you. And like, because eh. like I'll, I'll pull different. Um, Share. Come on, Ashley. Use your brain place. Thank you. Uh, where can I post this so you can see it? Um, <laughs> Here. I'm going to... You're now the sharer of things. Yeah. Congratulations. Things. <laughs> yes. I like being can... the sharer of things. So... We need to make... Gonna... All right. Yeah. Send that there... So oh, kind perfect. of the idea behind it was I took these three pictures to kind of combine them together. Not that I don't have the ability to, like, uh, draw it or whatever, right? That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But I, I took this idea where it just kind of took these three armor types and just shoved them together in my own brain. And that was the idea behind it. Originally, it was supposed to be an artificer. And then I was like, wait... No, that sounds like that that could be bored. What about a warforged? Now, wait, warforged that's pretending to be a warlock. This was the process that I went through to get this character, by the way. <laughs> so it was kind of a jump from these different ideas that I went, well, I want to do a warforged character that's insane to wait a second. What if it was warforged? But not because pixies traditionally can't get out of uh, iron. So why don't we put it inside of a suit of armor? So these pixies got trapped in this suit of armor, but pixies are hive mind. So that's the reason they're constantly battling it out because one of them wants to be in charge. So that's amazing. So this is that's so that is so genius. So that's where all of this came from. So it, it was this kind of conglomerate. So it was whoever was in charge has their own character sheet. So it's a constant fight over who is in charge because, again, they are hive mind. And then you yeah. have to work into that. So I'd like to try to play off those tropes. And thus the armor became a thing because they can't get out of the armor. So they have to pilot it to get what they want. And what they eventually want is freedom, obviously, but it's magical armor. And the only way to get that to work is if they are freed. 
And no one's going to do that in their right mind because you free a pixie. What happens? They go fucking ballistic and they eat and kill whatever's in front of them. Yeah, they, they just go <laughs> rampage. Exactly. It's so rampage you, mode. you perpetually <laughs> have this set of pixies stuck in this armor that are never going to escape. So they are stuck in whatever adventure that they are being pulled along with. So that's just really <laughs> beautiful. So and you pull together so many like tropes and like um, folklore um, tidbits. It's just really, it, it was such a really beautiful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would never not down. do it again. <laughs> Well, your right. your your pain and suffering is all of our collective gain because that's just such a fucking genius idea for a character. Like, mwah. Uh, I will say that if you guys ever try to pull something similar off, mm -mm. uh, you can, but make it so that your personality changes are done daily instead of. Bye. Every single interaction. <laughs> God, yeah. Noted. Yeah, that would be a lot easier. <laughs> roll, roll for who's in charge that day. Oh, yes, exactly. And then you have less to be concerned about, especially if someone talks to you mid-combat. Because if you are in combat and someone oh, talks no. to you as a character, there is a, like, a chance that you're going to end up with a non-combatant. Yeah. And what happens then? What do you do you're then? You're fucked. You're, you hope that your non-combatant knows how to flee. Exactly. So that was a big old pain in the ass. And I hope that with this kind of like opening up to having all the fairies and stuff that people can take a lot of their homebrew ideas and put it into like more legit com campaigns. Not that homebrew is not legit, but you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Canon. Yeah. Canon. Thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the people who have been afraid of homebrew are more likely to find new and exciting ways to throw the canon. Use, use what's canon. Why mm -hmm. would people be afraid of homebrew? That actually is That's scary. scary. What's scary yeah, about I, it? I don't know. I cannot I don't know. I've it. run into it a few times where people tell me that they're afraid of it. And they, I've never really gotten a good reason. Because, like, almost every, like... I've never done a campaign that was 100% like from the book. I've yeah. always had at least. Oh, I thought I was thinking of it more um, from the perspective of like, uh, like people are afraid to um, try to homebrew things themselves okay. as opposed to like interacting yeah. with the content itself. Because um, I can, I can definitely see like some people like particularly if they're trying to uh particularly if they're trying to dm but even if they're just trying to like um maybe homebrew some aspects of like um their backstory or whatever like i can i i feel like dnd in and of itself is so like big and there's so there's like so many rules and uh different source books and things that it's intimidating enough by itself and then it's like, okay, but then some people also take that and change some things about it and do things differently. And it's just like, so, I mean, I interpreted that more as people being like afraid Scared. of, yeah, afraid of like having to make decisions and also homebrew okay. their own content. 
Or those people are just like rigid, boring rules lawyers who hate fun. I that mean, could also be it. Both of those things, because I've always interpreted homebrew as being considerably easier for a new player to jump into. And that's always okay. how I have kind of done things. Like, I'm not going to throw you into a hardcore campaign right off the bat. We're going to do some homebrew content first. So you yeah. get used to this idea of acting as your character, making decisions separate from yourself and figuring mm -hmm. out what to do, the math behind it, blah, 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 blah. Yes, we're taking the rule set from Dungeons & Dragons, but we're, we're going to condense it into a way that is not terrifying. So yeah. I hope people start taking their ideas because it's, the more Dungeons & Dragons expands this way, the more we can take that homebrew content and put it into canon. And that's what I want to see because mm -hmm. there's so many ideas. So oh, yeah. many. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> that's a beautiful statement that I agree with 100%. Yeah. Just, yeah. Thank you for coming. Imagination. <laughs> Thank you for coming to Ashley's TED Talk. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I got my sofa. <laughs> no. It's no. Honestly, probably a perfect way to, to end. Yeah. That. Actually, yeah. I was going to say with that, I actually feel like that is the perfect way to end the episode. So we can go through through our little uh, spiel for the ending, which isn't going to be the normal thing, actually. Yeah, and uh, you can um, plug your, uh, your stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, we Wait. definitely want you to plug your stuff. Why? If you want, Pete, to. I mean, you don't, you don't have to. Because... I'm a shitty streamer. <laughs> I mean... I, I, don't, oh. I don't think that you are a shitty streamer. I, I, I enjoy your stream content. It's, it's kind of the thing that I play into. Like, I'm the world's worst streamer. Like, that's, that's my joke for me. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. You know, a lot of people, they, they tend to be super critical of themselves in one way or another, which actually goes no. back to the, the homebrew content where no, you're of making mistakes, right? I don't know anything yeah. about that. No, not at all. <laughs> My mistakes yeah. are on the air for everyone to see all the time. So I have to be ready to make a fool of myself at all times. Valid. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair. But yes, if you want to, you can plug your stuff. If not, you don't have to, but... I'm not worried about it. I mean, hi, I'm Sideshow Ashley. That's that's the name I go with everywhere. If you want to watch me make a fool of myself, please be my guest. Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Watch me do stupid stuff at light speed. Your TikToks are. <laughs> and that is the perfect plug, honestly. <laughs> Couldn't go any better than that. Oh, thank you all so much for listening. Um, we are on Instagram, tw Twitter, uh, Discord. All at Dungeonpedia. Continue to spread the word to your friends and just help us reach more members of the D&D community that are into lore or just want to hear potential homebrew ideas. Yeah, your friends who like fairies. Your friends who like uh, the Feywild. Or unicorns. Your friends who are six pixies in a suit of armor. If you have <laughs> homebrew ideas or have drawn your Dungeons and Dragons character, I want you guys to actually tag me on Instagram and tag Dungeonpedia because I want to see this. Uh -huh. And I'm sure they do too. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> tag us, show us. Also, uh, if you have anything that you'd like to suggest as a topic for us to cover, you can always email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I mean, you can send the pictures there as well, but we prefer you tag us so we can all see them at the same time. Yeah.
And you can also, um, I mean, you can also suggest things on any of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, or on the episode suggestions uh, channel in our Discord. But we do have an email address. And uh, (laughs) because we are real professionals. Professional streamers. That's my tagline. (laughs) Professional podcasters. <laughs> not, not, not quite. Absolutely, it, it doesn't sound as nice. No. Yeah, and it's also so not true. No. But, but it is alliterative, uh, so that's cool. Uh, actually, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and listen to our random ramblings and join in on the chaotic nonsense of our podcast. It has been fantastic having you. Yeah, I me. Mean, this is fun. I got to talk to adults and do nerdy things. Well, if you ever want to be a part of the show again, just let us know. We have zero issues with having you back on. Just yell at me. Absolutely. You're going to have to do it much the same way you did the first time. Like, hey, (laughs) excuse me. Hey, we we would like to again. Can can I have your attention? I will keep that in mind. Hey, listen. Now I can just send you a message on Discord as well. So I can spam you on two different platforms now. Yay! But uh, thank you, everyone, once again for listening, and we will catch you here next week on Dungeonpedia. Bye.